0: You're listening to WJMF Radio, the Beat of Bryant.
1: what is going on you guys welcome back to down to the wire i'm your host brian cost and today we have got a lot to cover from the celtics being a rumored suitor for kevin durant to the future of xander bogart in the boston red sox we are going to cover it all today uh so thank you guys uh for tuning in uh strap on in because it is going to be a wild ride uh but you know with talking about all this stuff today uh i'm gonna have to have some help because it is a lot to cover so uh, without any further ado, he is a fellow uh, fellow content creator. Uh, he's really grown on TikTok. He's approaching 70,000 followers over there. Uh, you know, he's a diehard Celtics fan, so he's going to really help me out with this uh, with this first take. So, you know, you've seen him on the show before. And without any further ado, please welcome back Mr. Ian and Angelo. Ian,
0: welcome back to the show, man. Thanks for having me back, Brian. Um, I'm, I'm hyped. We got a lot to talk about today. We got a lot yeah. to talk about. Yeah, man, we do. Obviously, uh, it's
1: been a wild world in the NBA. Uh, I woke up to this news uh, from people just texting me left and right, and I was, like, shocked as anyone. And in case you guys have missed it at this point, uh, the Celtics are a rumored suitor at this point for Kevin Durant, Adrian Wojnarowski, Sham Sharania. They were all going haywire on Twitter, uh, you know, given their latest intel on the situation. I believe Woj was the first to break the situation, and then Shams kind of gave us some inside info. Uh, There's a lot of things that could be going on there. Uh, One of the big one of the big uh, parts of this story is that Jalen Brown is the centerpiece of this trade. That would be going back to Brooklyn. Uh, The rumored trade that Boston gave Brooklyn initially was uh, it was Jalen Brown, Derek white and a first round pick Brooklyn declined that and uh, countered by saying, if you throw in Marcus smart, we'd consider it. So there's a lot of pieces that are moving right here. Now, Ian, Uh, You saw this news kind of when it first came out at
0: 2.30. I was fast asleep. Uh, What were your thoughts when you first saw this come out? My first thoughts, well, since it was 2.30 in the morning, was like, (laughs) first of all, why is Woj awake at 2.30 in the morning? I don't know if he's based out of the West Coast, but even then, like that's like 11 o'clock at night. Like, like, go to bed at that point, Woj. Like, come on, man. Anyway, after that, it was just kind of a thought of, there's no way that Brad Stevens would actually – do that right. There's no way you would actually make a trade for Kevin Durant. And then the shams report, because I went back to bed like after I saw that. And then I woke up again and I saw the shams report. And I'm like, okay, is this, are, are we actually doing this right now? Is this actually a thing? Because I, it was completely unexpected, in my opinion, because I thought they, they were pretty much done this offseason. I thought everything was fine and we were just going to have a stress free rest of the offseason but apparently not so
1: <laughs> no the, the when can you ever sleep during the nba offseason it's always got to be just one thing crazier after another and i mean you know we've had a pretty uh, exciting nba offseason so far i'd be m- likely to say that this would put it over the top as the craziest i mean it seems that each year it's just you know usurping itself as the craziest offseason but uh if we see kevin durant get traded yeah that's gonna take the cake for me uh but uh you know, I've seen a lot of people have mixed reviews of this. You are not a fan of this. I saw that you posted a TikTok about it. Uh, you know, you were collecting your thoughts at two thirty in the morning, and you know, doing so again. Uh, you know, oh, yeah. er- earlier on, uh, like later on in the day. So, uh, give us a breakdown of your thoughts on why you don't want to see Kevin Durant in a Boston Celtics uniform.
0: So, my first initial thought, and this might just be a regular, obvious thought: you were two wins away from the NBA Finals last year like you were two wins away from winning it all with Jalen Brown and with Jason Tatum as your core group of guys, you just added Malcolm Brogdon and Daniel Gallinari. So they can complement Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. Then why, why would you want to trade one of the guys you're trying to build around for Kevin Durant, who, you know, don't get me wrong. It's Kevin Durant. You know, it doesn't really matter who it is but Kevin Durant already has an injury history. He's not getting any younger. And in reality, the Celtics just beat Kevin Durant. Why would he want to come to Boston? And why would Boston even really want him? That was kind of my biggest kind of takeaways from my initial thoughts at two 30 in the morning when I, when I first heard this news.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I I also was pretty shocked by this news. I mean, I figured that you know, like a bunch of other contending teams, the Celtics at least would entertain the possibility of a trade for KD at this time. Uh, So it's not, it wasn't shocking to me that they'd reach out and that a report would get going. But I think that more of this than anything is Sean Marks leaking this news in an attempt to really speed up the process and see if other teams will bite
0: and really give, give him a counter to uh, his deal. Yeah. I didn't think about that until like later on because I'm thinking about it. I'm like, who would actually tell Woj or Shams any of this information? Because if you think about it, and I saw, I think it was Dan Greenberg on Twitter. He's like, you know, Brad Stevens has not leaked any of his deals. Brad Stevens has kept pretty quiet in any trade or any deals that he makes. So I don't really know why this one would be any different. So I think it would have had to be Sean Marks either trying to get somebody, maybe Toronto, to throw in Scotty Barnes if something like that was going to happen. Or maybe he just wanted to screw with the Celtics and maybe just start some controversy with Brown and Tatum. Who knows? But I mean,
1: who I mean, that's always going to be something that's coming. Uh, Tatum and Brown controversy is nothing short of, you know, we've seen it plenty of times now in the NBA uh, with the Celtics at this point and all the controversies that have been started up. It seems like uh, they just really don't want this duo to work out, no matter what. They they've just never really seemed to give it a chance. And I don't know about you. I've always, up until this finals run, I saw the duo of Tatum and Brown as almost a younger version of uh, of a Kyle Lowry and Demar Derozan. And obviously d- different positions, but I saw them being oh like these just two you know good All Star level guys that. You know, when it came to the reality of the postseason, we're not going to get it done against some of these bigger teams. That was my fear of them for a long time. And I thought that, all right, if we're going to have to get, if we're going to get past a Milwaukee, if we're going to have to get past, you know, let's say a Brooklyn when, you know, they swept us out of the playoffs the year prior, you know, we're going to have to go out there and make a deal. And I thought that similarly to where, to when the Raptors traded, you know, Demar Derozan, who was one of the uh, who was one of the pieces of that key duo to get uh, Kawhi Leonard. I thought we were going to have to do something very similar with uh, Jalen Brown. I just thought I, I didn't think it was going to be Jason Tatum, so I figured it was going to be Jalen Brown going out the at the door at some point. The difference is when I looked it up, uh, when Demar Derozan got traded, he was 29 years old, so he was in the prime of his career. And you pretty much knew what he was going to be. Obviously, you know, he had a great season last year, was an all-star still at the age of 33. So he's proven that he's a great player. But Jalen Brown is 25 years old. He's not going to be 26 until October. So there's a vast, vast difference there as to what Jalen Brown could still become. And to blow it up now, I understand that we all, in a sense, we all want this. I understand that people want this they want the superstar they want that but what you can get in turn when you do that too early is this you get you get bad if you go a little too early. that's what happens and you blow it up and listen, I think that if you give this maybe two more years and you know the Celtics had had a lot, little bit more time you know kind of going into their primes to make a run at the playoffs you can make you can make a a case and say, you know what We've given them a lot of time to work this thing out. It doesn't look like it's going to be the case as they had in their primes. We need to do something drastic to at least get a championship
0: out of this, out of this core. I could understand that, but
1: I think it's a little too soon.
0: Yeah. And that was my other thinking. Now I'm not going to lie to you. I was a pessimistic Celtics fan at one point during the 2020 season where everything was falling apart and the beginning of last season, everything, it just looked like, you know, the future was bleak and there was nothing that was ever going to come out of it. And there was, you know, I never thought they were actually going to trade Jalen Brown, but I thought about life without Brown and what he could possibly come back with. And then, you know, Tatum had his interview with JJ Reddick on his podcast, basically saying, you know, the grass isn't really greener, whether, you know, you trade Brown, you trade Tatum, you know, there's no guarantee the picks or players that you get back are going to equal the amount of talent that Brown or Tatum possesses. So after that, I kind of, you know, I kind of stepped back and I was like, yeah, there's no way. Both of these guys haven't even hit their primes yet. We just saw Jalen Brown ascend from someone who's maybe a top 25 player to someone that could possibly be a top 15 player with his finals performance this year and basically his performance the entire playoffs, Jason Tatum is nowhere close to his prime, and he's still growing, and he just led his team to the NBA finals with Jalen Brown. So, you know, at that point, it was just like, what are you going to do? That's like, why would you even entertain the possibility of trading either one of them? And it feels like throughout their entire careers, Danny Ainge never gave them the chance. It was always Kyrie or Kemba Walker. Or anyone else would come in, but they wouldn't give the reins to Tatum and Brown. And Brad Stevens gave the reins to Tatum and Brown this season for the first time. It really felt like it was the first time it was their team. And they just went to the finals. So at this point, it's just, you know, why would you even try to mess with anything that just led you to the NBA finals? And Brad Stevens, he's done what he's needed to do. He's gotten bench guys that they needed. And, you know, it, it's it just it mind-boggling to think why anyone would really want to get rid of Brown at any kind of stage of their career.
1: I mean, here's, while here's while why I kind of will defend why we didn't, you know, always give the keys to Tatum and Brown is because they're still ridiculously young. I mean, Brown is just turning 26. Uh, Tatum just turned, what, like 24? So, like, yeah. again, you know, when Kyrie was here, Jason Tatum was 22 years old, like 21 no, and even. And that's So true. I mean, was, so you can't you can't give the reins to them at that point. But I do understand what you're saying with uh, you know, with you know the amount of total control and where they can really go from there.
0: Yeah, and I mean to go back to your point, it kind of feels like right now you're more in a Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum type thing. Yeah. Now the DeRozan yeah. one was good, but they were both kind of older and they were both mm-hmm. more established players when they were with Toronto. Yeah. And it kind of yeah. feels like now Tatum and Brown have a chance. You know, they made their huge run. Portland had their huge run when they made the Western Conference Finals with Dame and CJ. And they gave them another three or four years to see if they could ever get back there. You know, sadly, it didn't happen, and they had to get rid of McCollum. But, you know, this is just kind of the situation the Celtics are in right now where you have to see how far you guys can get because you basically made it there. You are two wins away from – you know, winning it all and fulfilling the ultimate goal of any team in the NBA. So, you know, if you can just add the pieces you need to add for your bench, I don't see why you can't go back to the finals and this time win. It.
1: Yeah, and that's part of the reason why I'm when I'm apprehensive about the Durant move because you know when we had you know when we had this finals run last year. Tatum was in a, in a sense, the leader of that core and was like the focal piece that helped us get to that level. Obviously he had, he had injuries and stuff, uh, down the stretch, but still was the leader that helped us get there in at an incredibly young age. You have to respect it. When Kevin Durant though, comes in that room, he's going to be the man in charge. Tatum is is going to have to take a step back. I don't know how that's going to work. Obviously Tatum's young. He'll have to adapt. He'd have to do, he'd, you know, he's going to have to figure it out. But, you know, Tatum's been in this role now for a certain, for a good period of time. Is he going to be willing to take that step back and be second fiddle because he's been the first guy? Even when Kyrie was here, he was always considered Tatum, then Brown. It was always Tatum and then Brown. It was never Brown over Tatum at any point. So I don't know if Jason Tatum is willing to step back and be
0: a number two guy. Yeah. And I mean, if you think about it, I guess we have seen Durant and Tatum at the same time. I mean, granted it was the Olympics and team USA is a completely different atmosphere than the NBA. Yeah. But I mean, you know, there's times where Kevin Durant is going to want to be Kevin Durant. He's going to want to take over. And normally if you've seen in the past, Kevin Durant, when he's with another star, he is with a point guard basically, Mm -hmm. you know, you had Russell Westbrook in OKC, Steph Curry in Golden State, Clay Thompson, who's another guard. Yeah, had, and now you got Kyrie. So, you know, I'm not saying that both of them wouldn't work together, but it feels like it's really not the play style that Durant kind of favors. So I don't really see it ever, you know, kind of materializing. And with Tatum, I think you still need to give Tatum another year, especially after his disappointing finals performance. You need to see what he does and see if he can bounce back from that because, You know, if he bounces back from it and he just goes on a tear the entire season and into the playoffs and stuff like that, then, you know, you don't have to worry about anything. But, you know, the only cause for concern is if there isn't something there, if he kind of lets it get into his head too much. So granted, I don't think that'll happen, but we're going to have to see with that.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree that we I want to at least see what another year of this team can look like. Are they going to be hungry after the after, you know, a finals loss like that and try to get back there? You know, you got reinforcements in Brogdon and uh Gallinari, or is there going to be kind of a ha- uh, kind of a hangover effect where it takes a little bit of time for them to really get their bearings again and establish themselves as the best team in the East. That's something I wonder about and, you know, another thing that I'm kind of wondering about now is, you know, with all these rumors swirling swirling up you know, about Jalen Brown possibly getting moved for Kevin Durant, Jalen Brown getting traded for another superstar. Jalen Brown's been, you know, the centerpiece of a lot of potential deals for Boston Atlanta superstar. And Jalen Brown took to Twitter. He, you know, said SMH shaking my head uh, in response to the deal. But uh, I also heard that he, you know, responded and said, you know, when it came to certain guys, you know, like a Kawhi Leonard, like an AD, you know, like their names were always thrown up in deals like that, just because that's kind of the quality of player they are. I mean, you know he seems to understand that you know just being a you know a good star player in this league, if there's a chance for a team to upgrade players, your name's gonna be thrown in in a deal, so I think he understands it, but is still disappointed by it. But in your mind, is Jalen Brown just gonna be so disgruntled at this point that he's just probably gonna want out of Boston now, or
0: how do you think that he's gonna respond? I don't know because in the perfect world, he just takes this as. You know, it happens. It's just going to happen. My name's going to be in trade rumors no matter what happens, and I'm just going to push past it and just focus on myself. Because Marcus Smart was in trade rumors too at one point. Exactly. Smart was in trade rumors. I mean, I remember when Tatum was a rookie, I remember there were so many rumors about him getting traded for Anthony Davis. And, you know, he kind of pushed through it, and he's now, you know, who he is now. So I'm hoping that Jalen uh, Brown is okay with all of these rumors swirling. Now, my thing was when it was – I think it was last month or a few weeks ago or whatever, but it was when he was liking tweets about saying Celtics fans were disrespecting him and no one really respects him like that, which – Yeah, and, and, it, and it's compounding on each other. And it is, and it's like – it's one of those things where if he really feels that strongly against – you know, Celtics and Boston in general, you have to be a little concerned that he might leave, but I feel like you have to at least give it another year or two because he still has one. I think he has like one or two more years before he's a free agent again. So I say next year is the year where you kind of are able to put together everything and whether it means Brown has to get traded or Brown's going to leave, then I feel like we're not going to know that until, We figure out what's going to happen next year.
1: Yeah, I'm just apprehensive at. I just really don't know how he's going to respond to it. I think he'd be apprehensive to the idea of it at this point, because not even with the hate that he's gotten, not even with the trade rumors, but it's always that he's been second fiddle. And I mentioned it in terms of, you know, the way that the way Tatum's played and, you know, the way, you know, it would regard, uh, you know, the leadership of that team. Brown has been told this his entire time. Oh, it's Tatum, then you, Tatum, then you. But he's the one who went out in the finals and bald while Jason Tatum, you know, shriveled up and completely disappeared during that series. So, I mean, he he's probably just like, I actually showed up in those finals. Jason didn't. What What's it going to take for me to get some damn respect? And I just don't know what it's going to look like for him. I think that, you know... Best case scenario, he's going to take it and use it for an incredible revenge season. He'll finally get the all-star nod that he deserves and, you know, prove to be an even better piece of this team next year. But I feel like at a certain point, a guy can only take so much before they're like, all right,
0: this is ridiculous. And you kind of just have to call bull. No, 100%. He is 100% in the right to call bull whenever he wants to, because, you know, like you just said, he balled out in the finals. Granted, you know, there were times where he looked... Kind of bad, but everyone looked kind of bad in the finals. Every, every, a lot of the Celtics players looked bad, especially Jason Tatum. Especially which... Tatum, which is the person that you don't want to look bad out of everybody. So the fact that Jalen Brown looked considerably better is something that you need to take into consideration. Now, I mean, he, had, he had what 34 points in that game six exactly. Like he was, he was there, he was fighting. You know, and I'm not saying Tatum wasn't, but it just felt like Tatum was never able to get it going no matter what he tried. And that just happens sometimes. But if I'm Jalen Brown, I'm, you know, maybe this is the year where it's Brown and Tatum at the same time, because I feel like in the finals, he established himself as where it's no longer Tatum's the one and Brown's the second option. It is now more of a one, a and one B type situation. And, I think it's probably going to be more on Tatum to see if he can adapt to that kind of system because we'll have Brogdon kind of facilitating. So you don't have to worry about that, but Tatum and Brown have improved as passers granted Brown still needs to work on his turnover issues and maybe he can become a better passer. But at the same time, it's one of those things where, you know, maybe it's time Brown is taken more seriously in you know, on the team really, because it's not like he's not, but, he has a chance to average just as many points as Tatum can. So absolutely, it's kind of one of those things where if Brown wants to continue maybe being the second option, but I don't think he's going to be, you know, if he wants to continue doing that, great. And he doesn't have to worry about leaving, or maybe he just doesn't want to leave Boston in general. But if he does think that he can do better elsewhere and be the guy anywhere else, then, you know, he has the right to think that because of the way that he's improved himself.
1: Yeah, and I think that if that of those two players to take a big jump like that and do that, it would be Jalen Brown. It really just, it kind of lines up with the track uh, record of his career. Jason Tatum started off at a great point and has just kind of gone on a gradual increase into becoming the player that he is now. It's been, you know, he started off in a great place and then just became slowly made his way into what he is now. Jalen Brown is an interesting case. Cause you know, if you just look at, you know, him from a points perspective, you know, he averaged, I think six points in year one, like 13 points in year two, 20 in year three. And then what was averaging close to like, I think like 24 to 26 points in year four. And it was like, wow, this came out of nowhere. So, I mean, you know, like he's able to take those really big jumps, whereas Tatum is kind of on a slower rise, which, you know, has worked well for both guys. So I think, it is possible that you could see Jalen Brown take that type of a jump. It's just mat- going to be a matter of whether Ime Adoka allows for that in the system. I do want to see how this, du- how this duo and the team in general just, re- just works now, you know, after this finals, it looks like, you know, after January, they were able to find themselves and, you know, had that incredible run. What's that going to look like in in a, in a regular season? I want to figure that out.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. And honestly, and truthfully, the Celtics, Regular season, you know, I'm not talking about playoffs right now, but regular season has a chance to be what the Phoenix Suns did last season, where they just blew through everybody. And it didn't matter who you were. It didn't matter who you had. You were going to get beaten no matter what. And the Celtics have the potential to do that. That's just if they can find their consistency. And that's going to be the biggest thing with them, not only in the regular season, but in the playoffs, because it feels like right now it doesn't matter about the regular season for the Celtics. You just have to get to the playoffs and you have to show up because that's kind of the expectation right now. You were in the finals. Why can't you go to the finals again? You are now officially finals contenders and you're going to be for the next few years or for however long Jalen Brown or Jason Dana wants to stay. So this is basically your new challenge is you have to get to the finals, any means necessary, and then you have to win when you get there. So, It's going to be one of those things where I feel like they just need to find the right thing. And if the right thing works, maybe that's Jalen Brown gets more involved. Maybe it's Tatum takes less shots or takes a step back. But if we're thinking about that, then how's Tatum going to feel when, you know, he's not getting all the shots he used to get. Now I feel like Tatum will be okay to adapt to that because it just feels like he would be willing to adapt to something along the lines of that to win. But It's just going to be one of those wait and see approaches because you have no idea what you're actually going to get from this Celtics team because you had no idea what you were going to get from them last season. And this season, even though they have the expectations of making it back to the finals, you still really don't know because it's still the same team as last year, basically. And I mean, I'm excited to see what Brogdon can do because I've, I've wanted Brogdon on the Celtics forever. So you know, if he can come in and he can be the facilitator that the Celtics need, you know, who's, you know, what's really going to stop them.
1: Yeah, I think that they have a lot of great promise. So it's going to be exciting to see if they can stick together and make another run down the stretch. If, you know, hopefully this core does stay stay together. With that being said, though, Ian, I want to jump over into MLB news with you. Uh, to cover some uh, events going over there. had a great talk with you about uh, Celtics News, but there are two pressing uh, trade issues actually going over going on over in the MLB right now and they involve, uh, you know, first of all, the first one involves a uh, national star outfielder Juan Soto. Uh, you know, he's just a young phenom at this point. He's like, what 24, I think years old. He, like 23, 24 is incredibly young. Uh, the Nationals offered him a 15 year 440 million dollar contract he turns it down he would have become the highest paid player in all of baseball but he said no i do not want that i think i'm worth more than that which is insane cuz again you're the, you would be the highest paid player in baseball but he says no and as soon as that stu- and as soon as that started the nationals got incredibly petty and you know you can make the case rightfully so but they got petty they they were not chartered the man a, a flight to la they said all right you have to get on your own plane and fly out there. He does that and proceeds to win the home run derby. So I mean, <laughs> he kind of he got he kind of got a la- little bit of a laugh there. You know, it was at Dodger Stadium, was getting chants from the crowd, uh, saying "future Dodger," a lot of things like that going on. So there's a lot of talks going on with Juan Soto and what his future is going to be. Uh, you know, I, I saw another thing as well from him was that uh, Derek Jeter's uh, documentary documentary right now, the captain is airing on ESPN plus. And there's a quote that Derek says in the documentary. That's making a lot of new, making a lot of headlines right now. And it's that uh, loyalty one way is stupidity. Uh, Juan Soto retweeted that put a period and then, uh, deleted the tweet soon after. So a lot of people were like, okay, we get the message. So, uh, I'm just wondering what is this? What do you think the situation with Juan Soto is going to look like? Cause he isn't a free agent until the end of the 2024 season how
0: likely do you think the nationals are going to be to actually move on from this guy? I mean, we were just talking about Kevin Durant and the NBA. This is kind of the seismic, you know, shift of that when it comes to the MLB. Now, I don't know how many cross, you know, sports fans that you have where they follow both the NBA and the MLB, but I know most of my audience is mostly the NBA, but I got I got a couple. I got
1: a couple. I got a couple. Yeah.
0: So if you were following the NBA, And you wanted to follow the MLB. Think of what the Kevin Durant trade is right now, and that's what it is with the Juan Soto thing. Yeah, but Juan Soto is what twenty three. Yeah, and I mean he's literally on the track to be like the next Ted Williams or Babe Ruth at this point. So, you know, yeah, twenty three years old. So like ridiculous. Exactly, and you know the Nationals have every right to be mad about that. I mean, if. If you offer $440 million to someone, they didn't even offer Bryce Harper that. And Bryce Harper was their entire franchise for almost a decade, and they didn't even offer him that. So if you're going to turn that down, I think the Nationals have every right to be mad at him. But if you're Juan Soto, you must definitely not want to be in Washington if you're going to turn that down. And granted, does he really need to be in Washington? He already won a ring. Why wouldn't he want to go to another contending team? So, I mean, I mean, yeah, at this point, it doesn't look like
1: Washington's going to be anywhere near, you know, the like the championship caliber team they were in 2019 when they won in 2019 they were they were incredibly old and it looked like a near certainty that they weren't going to repeat or at least make a bid anywhere after that obviously COVID uh, kind of threw a wrench into that entire season but they didn't make the playoffs regardless of that and. Uh, you know, a lot of those big pieces ended up leaving Max Scherzer was traded the following season to the Dodgers. And now is with the Mets. So uh, a lot of big guys off that team are no longer there anymore. So, I mean, I can understand where, where he's like, I did what I was supposed to do in this team. Obviously I did it at an incredibly young age. So a lot of people would think that I should be, you know, linked to this team for a longer period of time, but at the same time,
0: why should I be? Exactly. Like, if he wants to go somewhere and win a championship somewhere else, what makes him, you know, what, what makes him wrong to want to think that, you know, if you're a superstar and we see this in the NBA all the time, if you're a superstar, why do you want to be on a tanking team? Or why do you want to be on a team that doesn't have immense talent that any other team in the MLB or NBA has? So if you're Juan Soto, I think you should ask for a trade. Honestly, I think the nationals should trade him. And I feel like it shouldn't have been this big a deal anyway, because if you think about it, like we said before, he's only 23. That's imagine trading like Luka Doncic right now in the NBA. That's the kind of haul that the nationals are going to get from the Juan Soto trade. And really there are a bunch of teams that could say, Hey, this guy is still under team control for the next two years or so. We could extend him if we wanted to. And who knows, maybe if he tests for agency, we'll still have one of the best players in the MLB on our team for the next few years. And that could make us instant championship contenders, especially if you're, especially if you're a team like Seattle or San Diego or the Mets, you know, you want to win a world series and Juan Soto could help you get there. Yeah. I mean, what's incredible about him is that,
1: you know, there are players of his caliber that, are, you know, 28, 29, 30 years old. And if you had a chance to get them, it's like, this is a life-changing talent. You get that and you get the ability to determine, you know, how he's going to come up for the next, you know, 10 to 15 years of his career. I mean, this guy is so, I mean, it blows my mind that he's this ridiculously young based again, and it's because he's demanding all these things in these trades. and, and, And you're just like, how do you earn that right? But this man debuted when he was 19 years old, I think. Was he 18 or 19? I have to look. I that think it up. was
0: 19. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So he was 19 years old when he makes his debut in the big leagues. And ever since then, he's been one of the, mo- one of the most dynamic hitters in all of baseball, which is ridiculous. So, I mean, I don't know exactly what his, what his situation is going to look like. I've heard a couple of rumors uh, like the San Diego Padres being interested. Uh, I see that as a possibility mostly because, uh, their general manager, A.J. Preller, has been known for making wild moves and then having to blow things up right afterwards. And I think that the Padres are maybe getting sick of that with, uh, with their money situation. So Preller might just try to make, you know, kind of a big swing at it and try to get this guy, get him on the team. And if it blows up in his face and they miss the playoffs, you know, he was trying everything he could to win. So I think that's a possibility. And then
0: I think the Mets are likely a likely destination as well. Yeah, honestly, I love him on the Mets. Even though I don't know if the Nationals will feel some type of way trading him to a division rival, but I—I I mean, he kind of fits perfect with the Mets and yeah. their timeline right now. So but I feel are the, like National, the Mets, But are the Nationals going to want to trade within the NL? that's the only exactly. hiccup I have. That's the thing, and I mean, if you wanted to trade to the American League, even though we're both Red Sox fans, we know for a fact the Yankees can easily make a package centered around any one of their prospects for Juan Soto, which is just terrifying to think about, especially if they lose Aaron Judge. Or what if they keep Aaron Judge? Then you'll have Aaron Judge and Juan Soto on the same team. for, And and don't forget Giancarlo Stanton. And Stanton. And it's just going to be terrible for Red Sox fans. But anyway, even if you wanted to trade him to the Yankees. But honestly, I like Seattle. And I've seen a lot of people talking about Seattle. Seattle's a young team you know, they basically are, they have Julio Rodriguez. They are a superstar away from, you know, being a legit contender in my opinion. So I feel like Juan Soto would do great on the Mariners. And if you're the Mariners, why would you want a prospect hall at this point? Yeah. You know, if you're trying to contend, do everything in your power to contend because you haven't made the playoffs since 2001. Yeah, Literally. I, I was born the last time, the Mariners made the playoffs <laughs> I'm 21 now, like look at, look at us. We are just d- definitions of how long it's been since the Mariners have made the playoffs. It's ridiculous that it's taken this long. And that was the last time they were actually contenders for a playoffs, but they've yeah. been close before, but they were never legit contenders. Really? Juan Soto makes them legit contenders for a world, a world series ring. So, yeah. And that,
1: that's the thing too. So, I mean, I don't know exactly what it's going to look like, but I saw this comparison too, and it's a question that I have for you because uh, MLB Network was talking about this because uh, Shohei Ohtani, you know, he's one of the best, you know, pitchers slash hitters in all of baseball. You know, just being a two-way player like himself makes him, you know, a one-of-a-kind talent. Unlike Juan Soto, where if you were to acquire him right now, if you were to acquire Juan Soto right now, you'd get two and a half years of eligibility. If you were to acquire uh, Shohei Ohtani, you would get one and a half years of eligibility. Which would you rather have if you're an ML- if you're an MLB team? Would you have that? Would you have an extra year of control for the superstar Juan Soto? You know, where you're gonna get that incredible bat, or are you gonna take maybe a little bit less of that bat, but then also have the ability to be a to be a dynamic pitcher on your
0: on your team? What would you rather have? That's tough. That's actually tough to think about because. I mean, Shohei Ohtani is just something we've never seen before. I feel like people still underrate the fact like Shohei Ohtani hits for insane power and he actually pitches like he's a legit pitcher at the same time. It's not anything crazy to think about. Like it's it still feels kind of crazy that Shohei Ohtani does this. And I mean, if you could have the best of both worlds, I feel like you would want Ohtani more just because he can do what he can do. But at the same time, I think the threat of free agency is going to loom no matter who you trade for. But I think if I had to choose, I might take Otani over Soto just for the fact that, you know, not only will we have, you know, one of the greatest players in the MLB right now, I mean, the fact that he can do both, like, well... I was just going to say a team like the Angels, but I forgot the Angels actually, you know, have him. But uh, if you're any team that needs pitching and hitting at the same time, why wouldn't you want to get Shohei Ohtani? Now, Juan Soto is amazing in his own right, but if you have the chance to get Shohei Ohtani, I mean, I don't see why you wouldn't try to go after that.
1: Yeah. I mean, Shohei Otani is a legit unicorn. We've never seen it before, you know, in the modern age, obviously, you know, way back when you, you had Babe Ruth who was pitching to guys and throwing no hitters and, and then was proceeding to hit 700 home runs. But, you know, in the modern era of baseball, we've never seen what Shohei Otani has been able to do. You know, obviously right now he's hitting, you know, 256, the average wise is doing too good, but you know, has 20 home runs, uh, is pretty solid as a pitcher. So it's a very interesting situation with him. I would maybe look more towards Juan Soto if you're, you know, more stable on the pitching side, uh, just because of what he really brings to the table and just that youth factor right there. Uh, Juan Soto, you're going to get a more consistent hitter too, where you know Otani can go through stretches where he is dominant, but at the same time, he's been known to have uh, injury problems here and there. Whereas Juan Soto has been pretty consistent. Up into up to this point in his career. So I'd probably go Juan
0: Soto in that in that area, but I understand where you're saying Otani there. Yeah, and I agree. I mean, you you if you had a chance to get either one of these guys, I feel like you should go for it. But you know, it's it's crazy that it kind of feels like the MLB is kind of turning into the NBA right now with their young star yeah. because you know the NBA players move like every other season at this point, And you don't really you're not normally used to seeing that in the MLB. So I mean, honestly, I find it more entertaining with player movement. I know a lot of people have a problem with it, but I like player movement. I like seeing new players on new teams all the time. But, you know, it's just kind of crazy to think about. And I feel like it'll make the MLB a little more interesting at the same time because you're going to have a guy like Shohei Otani who, yeah, he's with the Angels, but the Angels aren't a top tier team. You want to see him on a team like the Yankees. You want to see him on a team like the Mets or the Dodgers. You want to see him on a really good team contending. You don't want to see him on the Angels, who, frankly, just kind of wasted Mike Trout's career in front of his eyes. And now we're doing the same thing with Otani. So, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, loyalty is a great thing, but if you have a chance to be in a bigger market and win a championship, I feel like that should be your top priority. I
1: mean, I think Derek Jeter, like uh, you know, kind of rounding off the second best, Derek Jeter said it best loyalty. One way is stupidity. Exactly. So I, I just don't think I, I, if you're not going to show them that kind of same level of respect and, you know, just keep them in that bad situation. I think that, you know, you know, those guys are going to want to get out of there. So, uh, you know, Juan Soto could possibly be going to the Yankees. Uh, I saw a rumor that Shohei Otani could possibly be going to the uh, Blue Jays. So, uh, you know, any way you slice it, it's a bad, a Sox it, it's a bad, it's a bad time to be a Red Sox fan right now. Uh, uh we're, 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 as of right now, uh, coming into today, we are three games out of the wild card. We're fourth place in the AL East. Uh, you know, I was saying going in, going into the all-star break, we're going to have to come out, you know, you know, you know, really just hot and just try to really make a run down the stretch. It doesn't look like that's going to be the case right now. I had a take that I said on my friend's podcast, uh, uh, it's the pesky poll podcast with Robert Shelley, in case you guys were wondering. So go check that out. Uh, but we were talking on there and I said, you know, the Red Sox are getting healthy at the right time. Nathan Avaldi's coming back, Chris sales coming back, which turned out to, you know, be a terrible omen for us as his hand shattered at Yankee stadium and completely ruined that idea. But my, my idea was that we're all getting healthy at the right time. Kike Hernandez and all those guys are all going to come back. And similar to like a team like the Braves or like the 2019 nationals, we're going to, we could make a second half surge and really make a push into the playoffs and be, you know, up there in terms of being one of the better teams of the second half and have that dictate our postseason. That was the best case scenario I saw for the Sox moving forward. That really has not looked like the case. We get blown out by the Blue Jays 28 to five, which sound, again, sounds like a football score. So we get killed by them. And then we've just seemed completely lifeless since the break. I don't know what it's going to look like for us at this point, but I was saying, but you know, the trade deadline is August 2nd. At this point, I don't see where we're going to be buying at, at, at any point to make a run. So do you think that Ian, do you think we're going to buy, do you think we're going to full on go into sell
0: mode? I hate to say it because I don't want it to happen. And it kind of feels like the inevitable. However, if you're Xander Bogarts and you just, Saw so you just you were part of that twenty eight to five loss. Like you were there. You have a player option to leave. If you don't want to resign with the Red Sox, I feel like now would be the best time to get traded because he's having another All Star season. He's still Xander Bogarts. He's still an elite shortstop, and I mean teams need a guy like Bogarts. So I could really I could realistically seeing the Red Sox trading Xander Bogarts at the deadline, which sucks to say because I love Bogarts, but this team is just, it's not very inspiring, at least as of right now, to instill any confidence in, you know, either the fan base or the front office at this point that they can make a run to the playoffs. And it sucks to say because this team was two wins away from the world series last year, but
1: And frankly, a World Series, I think that if we get there, I think we have a shot to win that World Series.
0: Oh, yeah. And I mean, Atlanta was an amazing story. But with the team that the Red Sox had last year, there was it kind of felt like it would have been the Astros or the or the Red Sox winning it. But, you know, that's neither here nor there. Yeah. And it kind of sucks to say, but I do think that Xander Bogarts even might request a trade and he might want to get traded, which sucks to say, but. If you're the Red Sox and you don't think you're going to contend, why would you want to keep these guys around when they could possibly go contend somewhere? So, and who knows, maybe you can get great pieces back for Bogarts and you can re-sign them again. You know, today's like the six year anniversary of the Chapman deal to the Cubs and the Chapman ended up signing back with the Yankees. So we'll just have to see what happens, but I do think it is kind of coming to that point where the Red Sox might have to make the tough decision to blow the team up. Which I don't want to say, but it's kind of feeling inevitable.
1: Yeah, and I, I listen. I I understand the whole the whole uh, sentiment with the Chapman thing. That was a lightning in a bottle thing that happened there. No, let's I l- I let's, fa- let's face it. When you trade the star player away and you get talent in return, you you know, and you trade him to a contending team. He's not coming back to that team. We had we had similar thoughts as to what, as to maybe oh maybe John Lester will come back if we uh, if we trade <laughs> oh, when, when, when we trade him to the Oakland A's we could really uh, get in the hunt for him and he was like no I'm going to the Chicago Cubs because I think I can go win a World Series there and he evidently did. Uh, then you look at. Um, what was another situation? Oh yeah. Mookie Betts. You know, we're going to train to the LA Dodgers and you know, he's going to be coming up on free agency in a year and we, and we can get Alex Verdugo, uh, Bruce, Stark Gratterall, or Jeter downs or whatever it became. And then we can get Mookie Betts back. And Mookie Betts was like, no, I'm signing a 13 year deal out with the Dodgers. And I'm now going to go into the hall of fame wearing Dodger blue. So, uh, you know, that was the case there with Xander Bogarts. It feels very similar to that 2019 season with Mookie Betts. Now at this point to where, you know, you had great, you had a great, uh, story the year before, obviously 2018 was different than 2021, obviously. Cause we had the best season in Red Sox history and proceeded to win the world series last year was a little bit different. We, you know, kind of surged at the end and had a great postseason run. We're two wins away from the world series. So, you know, we're real, we were very, very close, but it, it feels very similar into the way that it's going to be spun into it being, you know, we can't it essentially the higher-ups are going to say, well, if we can't win with Xander Bogarts right now, why are we going to keep him on the team? Why shouldn't we trade him and get more value for him? And I point to that 28-5 to loss, and I say, because he looks like he, like he was the only one out there that was trying. I mean, he was making diving plays into the outfield, uh, was making plays behind his back, trying to do anything he could to stay in a game like that. And I was like, the fact that he's even awake in a game like that, unlike Jaron Duran, uh, speaks volumes. Uh- <laughs> So I mean I I don't want to I, I would hate to see Xander Bogarts get sent out the door, but at this point I think that it's almost what the Red Sox would like to do at this point. They lowballed the man all, all year. They didn't really show that initiative to get uh, you know, to get him signed. They brought in Trevor Story, which I didn't mind as a move for a second baseman because we've been lacking one for a while. And I thought, you know, bringing a, a an all-star caliber shortstop, have him play second base, and then you got Xander Bogart's at short. That's a great infield duo. It's now just becoming apparent that that was the replacement plan for Xander Bogart's and kind of just at a cheaper cost. So it's Bloom doing what Heimbloom does. He's playing, he's playing money ball with, uh, you know, with one of the richest ball clubs in the, in the big leagues, which is really annoying.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of annoying. Maybe it's just because we were used to what Dave Dombrowski did. And Dave Dombrowski was just the complete and utter opposite of what Ein Bloom does. So yeah. We're kind of at both sides of the extreme here. And granted, you know, we can't say that they aren't spending money because they did spend money on Trevor Story. But it was the one it was the deals, the deals that didn't make sense. Like, you know. You have to love Jackie Bradley Jr. There was no reason as to why you traded Hunter Renfro for him. I don't really care who the prospects are that are going to come up and maybe be good. Those, Hunter Renfro was established. Granted, he had some mishaps in the playoffs, but it's one of those things where you should have just kept Hunter Renfro around. And you could have re-signed Kyle Schwarber to that deal. You, The Phillies gave him a pretty a pretty solid deal. The Red Sox probably could have matched that if they were really serious about contending. And honestly, Kyle Schwarber, you know, who knows, maybe he's the answer at first base that they need, you know, no disrespect to Bobby Dahlbeck or Franchi Cordero, but you know, they're really not the answer as of right now. So it's kind of one of those things with all the decisions that they didn't make is kind of the issue that they're facing right now because if you had Kyle Schwarber on this team I feel like they'd be a whole lot better. If you had Hunter Renfro on this team you'd be a whole lot better even with the injuries. So mm-hmm.
1: yeah, and I mean, listen, while you know, while uh I don't think that Kyle Schwarber would be the answer at first base, what it would have provided you is the chance to maybe have J.D. Martinez for this year. You let him go at the end of this year cuz I think this is the final year of his contract and then you could pre- then you could pretty much go on and say, "All right, Kyle is going to become the full-time DH." Tristan Casas, who is, you know, one of our top prospects can come up and take that first base position. And then, you know, you could go from there. And then with Hunter Renfro, I, what I, my idea was, all right, if we're going to trade him away, then I originally thought, all right, Kike Hernandez is going to move back into the infield and he'll be our second baseman. And that was my thought up until Trevor story came to town. And I was like, all right, now what's going to happen? Cause now Jackie Bradley jr. Is going to be in the outfield. That's a whole situation now. And what doesn't make any sense to me at all is, you know, you have Jaron Duran in center field. We now see that viral clip of the ball just sailing over his head, getting lost in the lights. And listen, I've lost balls in the lights before. Twilight is is awful; like it sucks. It you cannot see the ball. It's terrible. But Jackie Bradley Jr. is a Gold Glove center fielder. Why is he playing right field? I don't, I don't get that. And that you know, it, and and that's something that falls on Alex Cora too, because I think that if the Red Sox failed to make the playoffs this year, I think that Alex Cora is on the hot seat. I mean, you, I think that's just going to be the case because you know, Bloom brought Alex Cora back and you can say that, Oh yeah, he was his guy when, you know, he took over the operation, but you know, when Bloom started this whole thing, you know, I think that there were a lot of people were saying that he wanted to bring in a more analytical guy, someone like less of a uh, Alex Cora uh, type. And, you know, I think that the fans were just really gung ho on bringing Alex Cora back. And he was like, Fine. But I think he at the first sign of trouble he wouldn't he wouldn't wait to drop him
0: yeah I could see it I mean granted what loyalties does Heim Bloom have to Alex core no. exactly no. Alex core is a product of Dave Dombrowski exactly and that's why they worked so well because Alex core was the kind of manager that Dave Dombrowski was able to you know work around and You know, it's not that Alex Cora isn't a bad manager because he is a super great manager. It's some of his decision making, not only with the Duran and Bradley situation. Now, I personally have a soft spot for Duran, seeing him in Worcester all the time. You know, I see. I I see. I saw him in Worcester, too. He's a great player. Exactly. And it's, you know, he hasn't put it together yet, but he's still young. He has a chance to improve, but he is not known as a great fielder. He really should not be playing center field. Granted, you could put him in right field because, or left field at that point, because it kind of feels like he's not really a center fielder right now. Even though he has blazing speed, he feels more like a corner outfielder than a center fielder defensively. So you should be putting Bradley in center. But the my biggest problem with Cora's managing at times is the way he manages the bullpen, because there are times where we have guys like Ryan Brazier who can sometimes look like a great reliever, but when they're not. You know, that great reliever, that's when it feels like Alex Cora puts them in 24-7. And it just it, it just doesn't make any sense, really. And the bullpen has always been an issue with the Red Sox, it feels like. Even when they were winning the World Series, the bullpen yeah. was amazing. But you just had some guys that were okay. And it's just one of those things where, you know, just some decisions – they could cost him his job, which sucks to say, because I like Cora, but. And at the same time, you know,
1: I like Cora too, but you know, our play recently and, you know, not just in the 28 to five game, but I think, you know, even in the game right after we, we looked incredibly sloppy. I mean, you know, you know, take out the Duran play. We had a play that dropped right in the middle of the infield between, between three defenders and then you speak of Ryan Brazier, you know, he goes to pick off a guy at second base and chucks the ball into center field and throws a run and basically throws 90 feet, 90 feet away, which I do think turned into a run right after. Everything turned into a run in that game. Though, yeah. So. No, well, I'm talking about the game after
0: the game oh, after yeah, the yeah. Uh, words, you know, like. And, they then, are, and then the Sawamora play yesterday where it was the ground ball back to him and he overran the base and mm-hmm. that was kind of embarrassing. So, yeah.
1: And then like, what was it? Lourdes uh getting around the tag of Bobby Dahlbeck. So it's uh, just, man. and you know, at the end of the day, you do have to credit teams for just, you know, outsmarting you and doing certain things, you know, that, that play by Lordis, great play by him. But at the end of the I- day, like <laughs> at, at the end of the day, like you do have to say that some of those mistakes are on you and, I just don't know how much more the Red Sox are going to take before they do say, all right, we need to start over at manager. So I think that could be coming as well. So uh, there are a lot of things on the table and I just don't know what it's going to look like, but uh,
0: in your mind, uh, is JD Martinez gone? I think so. Yeah. I love JD. He's not the same that he was before. Granted, that's just what happens with age, but it's, He might have been someone told me the other day when I was at work. He said JD Martinez might be the worst 300 hitter he's ever seen. (laughs) Cause it feels that way sometimes, where if he's not getting hits, he's striking out every single time, which kind of a little bit true. Yeah. And so I could really see JD Martinez leaving. And the fact that the national. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't,
1: I didn't even mean JD Martinez
0: leaving. I think that he's gone at the deadline, to be honest with you. Oh, gone at the deadline. Oh, yeah. I could see it. I could see that too. Basically just because the national league has the DH now. So there's a bunch of different options where he can go. Also, I know we were just talking about Jackie Bradley. I had the game up right now. He just hit a double off the wall and it kind of feels like Bradley's been the best player on the team so far. You know, <laughs> you know what? Last well, week or so <laughs> every um,
1: year, Jackie Bradley jr has a month where he's just the best player on the planet and then completely falls off the face of the earth again so you know if jackie bradley jr is the spark that lights this red sox second half god be it like i really hope that that can if that's the case then that's sad but you know what i'll take it let it be (laughs) Uh, exactly If, if if jackie bradley jr's hot month can do it then by god let it be the case but my god that's uh that's a
0: lot to that's a lot to cover it is a lot to you know claim your uh put your stake down on but yeah yeah, i think jd most likely gets traded at the deadline because if you're jd why do you want to be on a team like the red sox who aren't really going to contend so
1: yeah and i think i think jd even said that you know if i'm getting traded to a team i'm going to be on a contender if i don't i'm on a contender so i'm going to be happy either way so Uh, you know, he's open to the idea of getting traded. It's not like he's, you know, came out and said, Boston's my home. I want to be here forever. I mean, he might feel that way, but you know, he's at least to the media, making it known that, you know, I I'm willing to get traded. So
0: (laughs) that, that speaks, that speaks volumes. Oh God. All right. I'm sorry. I know I know I probably shouldn't be talking about the game that's going on right now, but Yolmer Sanchez just hit a ball off the wall. It got thrown back into the infield. He was about a dead duck and he was just in a rundown, but you know what they scored the run. So I guess that doesn't matter, but (laughs) I mean, just kind of, that's just how we were just talking about all the things that were kind of embarrassing that. Yeah. It kind of just sums it up, unfortunately, but, uh, and I think that sums up uh,
1: this topic of the Red Sox pretty well. Uh, before we do go, uh, I did want to highlight this as well. And you know, as we're to stay to stay with the Red Sox, I wanted to talk about uh, the great Red Sox, David Ortiz, getting inducted into Cooperstown yesterday. Uh, you know, the first, uh, I believe, the first designated hitter to do so on the first ballot, I believe. I Eddie, Edgar
0: Martinez was. I don't know.
1: I don't. I, Edgar Martinez is in but i don't know if he was first ballot so i heard something but i'm not entirely sure but ortiz is in so it's great news for us uh but a lot of people are wondering now i saw this trending on espn and people are wondering with david ortiz testing positive for steroids in 2003 does that officially open the door for guys like a barry bonds or roger clemens to get in in my mind it doesn't and it's that when david ortiz tested positive for those steroids there was something specific about that test that I remember. And it basically was that uh, it was a substance that they were going to ban or hadn't officially told the players they had banned. And once they had banned it, you know, they said like no penalty would come if you tested positive for this Ortiz tested positive and then never tested positive for anything again, his career. So
0: I don't, I wouldn't necessarily hold that against him, but what are your thoughts on that? I mean, in my opinion, I personally think Barry Bonds should be in the Hall of Fame, regardless of the steroid use. Roger Clemens might be a different story, but he could still be in the Hall of Fame, too. He was an amazing player. I really don't think steroid use should be a detriment to a player's career. You know, granted, you could say, oh, it's an asterisk because they were cheating, but you still had to play the games. You still had to be as dominant and Who else was as dominant as Barry Bonds in his time? Nobody. There was nobody in the MLB who was ever as dominant as Barry Bonds was when he was playing. So personally, I think Bonds should be in the hall of fame. I don't know if David Ortiz being there gives him or Clemens kind of, you know, gives them the okay to be there because there are other steroid users in the hall of fame. I think Pudge Rodriguez was there. And then it was one other person I can't remember off the top of my head, but Anyway. At Piazza. Exactly. There are people who have tested positive who are in the Hall of Fame. and It's not even tested positive, but we're just a part of that era. Exactly. So it kind of feels like why should the best player of that era or the best players of that era be, you know, granted they did take steroids, but I feel like it doesn't matter because they were just as dominant as they were, especially for Barry Bonds. I think Barry Bonds should be is 100% a Hall of Famer no matter you know, what you say, you can have a case against Clemens. bonds knew he cheated. He said he was cheating and no one could stop him no matter how good or whether he was cheating or not, because before he cheated with the pirates, he was still an amazing player. So yeah, was, he was a three-time MVP. Exactly. So he was going to be in the hall of fame regardless. And I, I think Barry Bonds should be in the hall of fame anyway. So that's yeah. kind of my thing with that.
1: I've, I've always jumped back and forth on it. And part of me has always said, you know, it was a part of baseball history. So, you, you know, i a hall of fame and it's a museum. It is a museum in Cooperstown and museums should honor history, including the bad parts of it. So I understand that at the same time, I do understand that, you know, they were proven to be cheaters. There's all this, there's all that. And, you know, they, and a lot of people think that they tainted the game and, you know, ruined the sanctity of it. At the same time, that error is what brought baseball back, you know, exactly. after, the, after the strike of 94, a lot of fans turned away from the game of baseball and the steroid era. you know, you know, you say what you want about it is what brought a lot of fans back to baseball. Uh, Then, you know, after it came out, a lot of fans left baseball again. And it's been, you know, a tragic D, just a, you know, a drastic decline of fans uh, with spikes here and there when, you know, these scandals kind of pop up. I, the thing I don't like about uh, this going forward is that, you know, the writers have basically just made this a hall of, you know, a hall of like who we like the best. And, you know, it's just kind of become a kind of off a popularity contest in a sense to where not even guys tied to, you know, t- tied to steroids like a Kurt Schilling aren't getting in, you know, because of their political beliefs, obviously, you know, Kurt Schilling can have whatever political belief that he wants. Uh, but that's, t- that's essentially, you know, taken out his resume from the hall of fame. And I believe that Kurt Schilling is a hall of fame pitcher. So I think that there's a lot of things that come into
0: play with that too. No, hundred percent. And I've kind of noticed that as well. What was I think it was like twenty? Was it twenty seventeen or twenty eighteen where they didn't vote anybody in? Yeah, and, it was. Uh, it was. I believe it was twenty.
1: I think it was twenty twenty one. They didn't vote anyone in.
0: Oh, it was twenty twenty one. But you know, you could have voted Barry Bonds in. You know, you could have voted Roger Clemens in. You chose not to, and it's literally just off of your personal feelings because Barry Bonds, he was kind of a dick to the media. Sorry to swear, but he was. and he was. You know, it kind of happens, but I don't feel like outside things should taint what the player did for the game of baseball. And like you said before, MLB was in a terrible place before steroids happened. And once you had McGuire and Sosa with their home run race, and then you had Barry Bonds, you know, they practically saved baseball from tanking. And they were kind of the reason why baseball is what it is right now, because players that grew up watching them are in the MLB right now. So they've seen them. They've seen how fun baseball can be. And they've adapted that to the game that we see today. So, you know, I really feel like it doesn't matter what steroids that happened. I still think Barry Bonds should be in the Hall of Fame.
1: What about Alex Rodriguez?
0: If you're asking the Red Sox fan and me, no, but <laughs> <laughs> okay. But, but what, what, what draws the line there then? What's, what, what's the difference? Well, I mean, as a Red Sox fan and there's a reason why, but I mean, granted a rod probably could be in the hall of fame too. He was just as dominant when he played and you know, it's going to be another one of those things where if the media likes a rod enough to put him in there and who knows, maybe a rod makes it and then you get Barry Bonds in there. So I guess it just depends on, that is something interesting
1: I've seen though is that since A Rod has retired from baseball, he's kind of uh changed up his persona a little bit. He went from being, you know, really uh kind of a kind of a villain in the media to like this really polished up, you know, baseball analyst guy. Like that's kind of become his whole uh, persona now. So I do wonder how that's gonna affect him uh moving forward. I wonder if,
0: you know, he's able to, you know, kind of kiss enough ass to get into the hall of fame. Exactly. And like you said, you know, if it is a hall of You know, just people we like, and if a Rod makes it, who knows? Maybe that opens the door to Bonds and if 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 freaking a Rod makes
1: it, that has to open the door. I'm
0: sorry, it has to, because
1: because not only did a Rod, not only did a Rod use steroids, like a lot of these other alleged guys did, like a lot of these other alleged people did. He there were there was lies, there was the whole biogenesis scandal, there was Tony Bosch, like there were so many things that were going on, uh, with a Rod that you know we're just it was a lot worse than just taking a needle and injecting your injecting yourself with stuff like there was lies and corruption and like ridiculous stuff that went on with Arod so in my in my opinion if, if Arod goes in that's the tipping's that's the tipping point it's not David Ortiz it's Arod
0: yeah cuz i mean granted you know Arod has the stats to get in he is a champion although you know just like Bonds he wasn't amazing in the playoffs but you know a rod has the resume baseball wise to make it in it's just you know is that going to taint his resume and who knows maybe because of a rod's more polished image nowadays maybe that just opens up the door for him to make it and you know it's just gonna have to be one of those things where it's just gonna be a wait and see type thing Mm
1: -hmm. yeah i mean in my opinion the hall of fame and until they add Pete Rose, they they don't have that credibility for me. Uh, so don't I, even get me
0: started on Pete Rose. Yeah, I mean, that's, that, that
1: that's a completely uh, that's a conversation that I feel it like could last a whole other episode. So uh, I'm gonna have to wrap this one up here because that would go on way too long. So Ian, I thank you for coming on the episode again. Uh, unfortunately, we are now down to the wire, which means that we're gonna go over everything we talked about in this episode and send you guys on your way. Uh, first things first, we welcomed in. Uh, the Celtics guru, uh, TikTok creator. I don't even know what to call you at this point, man. Uh, what should I call you?
0: I don't know, man. I mean, I don't even know what I call me. I, we'll just say I make I make content on the Celtics. We'll say that. that
1: yeah, yeah. Let us say that. But Ian and Angelo, everyone. Uh, Ian, uh, is there anything you want to you know shout out personally with yourself before we uh, go into this?
0: Uh, yeah, you guys can follow me on my personal uh, accounts. I and Angelo i-i-n-a-n-g-e-l-o that's kind of my accounts and that's kind of where i make most of my content i also have a podcast celtics talk weekly over on the bsml bsml celtics youtube channel so you guys can check that out as well if you want
1: absolutely so uh you know on the show today we talked about kevin durant uh possibly going to the boston celtics uh, some you know rumors going on there we talked about juan soto uh you know, in his status with the Washington Nationals, as well as Xander Bogarts in uh, the Boston Red Sox, and finally we wrapped up things today by talking about David Ortiz getting inducted into the Hall of Fame and what that means for a lot of other guys that you know potentially you know could have their names enshrined in to Cooperstown very soon. Uh, it was a great episode, and. Uh, if you guys want to listen to this podcast, you can follow us on, uh, you know, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all those platforms, as well as YouTube, uh, and you can find all those links in our Instagram bio at Wire. again, at Wire on the IG. Uh, we thank you guys so much for tuning in, listening once again, and from down to the wire, I'm Brian Costa.
0: I'm Ian and Angelo.
1: And we hope you guys have a great day. Take care and peace out.
0: WJM. F radio.